The following episode of the 9pm edict contains strong language, adult themes, sexual references, drug references, and Bill Shorten. Only a little bit of Bill Shorten though. Thursday, the 15th of July, 2021, we're bringing the Autumn series to, uh, yeah, a belated close uh, with the wonderful, the delightful Andrew P. Street live uh, on tape from Adelaide. In this episode, we solved nearly all of the world's mysteries, but not all of them. Malcolm Turnbull was such a terrible PM, and I really, I still struggle to hate the guy. We revel in the magic of Gummy Worm Day. This is the day, obviously, we we, we dress as gummy worms. Uh, We dress in gummy worms. And, of course, we ask the important questions. Like, do do they have, like, a drug spectrum test for dogs? Hello, I'm Stilgarian. This is the 9pm billionaire gummy worms of spicy freedom with Andrew P. Street. Uh, So, Andrew, I suppose we should... Talk about the plague. Look, I'm 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 speaking from Adelaide, the which is plague free. Uh, for now, we've just jinxed it. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, I feel Tail and Bend is probably crawling with it at this stage, since uh, that's where our removalist friends uh, popped in to uh, <sighs> grab a meal and spread disease. But uh, you know, but for the time being, plague free drive. Anyway. Yeah, we have to listen to the ad, I think, don't we? Because oh, we need God. to talk about the ad. Yes. Here's the ad. What an ad. A COVID-19 vaccine is your best defence and our only way forward. Now's the time to arm yourself, your family, your friends, your workmates, your community, someone you love. Find out when you can arm yourself and book your vaccination. Go to australia.gov.au. Authorised by the Australian Government, Canberra. And God bless them. Oh, look. the Leaving aside the, the military aspect of the, you know, we must arm ourselves against against this disease. Uh, yeah, but, but the, the little tinkly piano yeah. music. People said, oh, it has a distinctly military feel. And I go, yeah, yeah, like the gunship helicopters and the explosion. <laughs> no, it's not a – it's a lame pun. I'm just confused by the uh, – the idea that you you need to arm your co-workers, your family, etc. It's like I, I'm I'm not authorized to do that. I pe- people don't let me jab them with needles nearly as often as the government appears to think. And a gentleman of Middle Eastern appearance on Twitter pointed out that if you do this in in Arabic, effectively you're saying take up weapons like <laughs> before a jihad. And he said quite rightly that imams have been thrown in jail for suggesting this sort of thing. Well, they, they needed to have tinkly music in the background. If they if they'd done it with sort of muted strings, <laughs> it'd be fine. Everybody'd be going, Oh, that 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 adorable caliphate. <sighs> yes. At least it's not the Grim Reaper. Now, somebody, there, there's the other ad, which in Adelaide you won't have seen technically. No, I Because I have, it was only shown in Sydney, but everyone's seen yes, it. Yes, indeed. I, I, I have access. Many of us in Adelaide yeah. have access to the internet and sort of, you know, for the four hours a day that they put it on. And, um, and so, yes, I have I have mm. seen it and it's... Um, it's the one that's, yeah. Here it, yeah. it's just... This is this is the government's rendition of someone with COVID. And this poor woman going, ah, ah, 
for for like thirty seconds, and any nurse who works in a hospital mm. will tell you, no, no, we don't let people get in that state. We like sedate if they're having trouble like that. We do sedate them and assist with their symptoms. Also, technically, um, they they wouldn't even be in a bed. They'd be ramped ramped in an ambulance waiting for a bed if they were going to. That, that that's where we keep our patients these days. Well, that's a South Australia. Oh, that's a, see that see, as you know, news only flows east to west sorry, in Australia. Sorry, yes. So for those of us here in the eastern states, <laughs> yes, in, in South in South Australia we have a a, a whimsical as part of sort of our drive drive for efficiency. The idea is that you should never have more beds than you absolutely need in a hospital. So I think these days, sort of with the sort of the main public hospitals, between them, I think there's like four beds. And um, so anytime that they get more than five people sick at a time, then they have to be ramped uh, like li- literally on a driveway in an ambulance, which is also great when you sort of have all of the ambulances full of sick people and then somebody, you know, like falls on a rake and it's like, well, sorry, you're going to have to wait there until somebody can airlift you out. Now, if I can just check, isn't sick people something you tend to get a lot of during a pandemic? Historically, yes. That, that's um, For a lot of people, that that's one of the defining features of a pandemic is that you do you do see an uptick in the amount of people uh, getting what to use to use a technical term sick so yeah. so one might argue uh, that during a massive global pandemic of a disease with no cure and during a, a vaccine rollout which has been shall we Badness. say um, has, has not met its ambitious uh, goals, then perhaps that goal. So goals, you say? Well, or any goal. Actually, I now I, I think about it, sort of the sing, yeah. the single goal of existing. That's that that's um, yeah. you know proven a little um, a little too too far for our government to manage. That that it might be a the wrong time to not have enough beds in a hospital, but you do have to understand that South Australia oh. is is less than a year away from an election, and so you know we need to demonstrate our economic responsibility by not wasting money on, um, you know, sick people. people. Yeah. Or any people. Any really. people. Oh, sick people and the people who like them. Ah. Oh. Oh. But, yes, but this is a secondary issue to the uh, to the COVID ad and it's, um, you know, the, the side of somebody drowning in a bed, which, uh, yes. as has been pointed is out, a- is both inaccurate and vile. People have been comparing it to the Grim Reaper mm. ad, the AIDS awareness ad from 1987. I dig that up. Now, I won't play the whole thing, but I I, I was... Oh, will I do the rant? I'll, I'll do a, conden- a really condensed version Lay it of the on rant. So many people put the Grim Reaper ad forward as some fantastic breakthrough public health education campaign. But quite frankly, it had two effects, one of which is bad and the other of which is bad. Mm. The first part is I'll only play a 12-second grab of it, but this is how it began after 10 seconds of Grim Reaper on the screen. (laughs) 
At first, only gays and IV drug users were being killed by AIDS. So that's okay, right? But now we know every one of us could be devastated by it. Yeah, it's not a. So it was only it was only the you know the the, the queers and the the junkies. So at first, you know, it was just the sinners. But now the normals might be affected too. Yeah. So it really did, and the research shows that it ramped up. Um, the taboos and the the, the uh, struggling to find the word, the negativity yeah. uh, which, about the whole thing. And the second thing it did, which which in a way is possibly worse than denigrating an entire generation of queer communities, is that it catapulted Simon Reynolds to stardom, <laughs> the guy who created the ad. And and really, Australia how and the many media eyes industry has had to live with that. that two. Right. And it's still only the two. Look, Susan Lay, our, our whatever minister she is these days, has two S's for the similar. Oh, oh, is yes. yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, environment's yeah, a strong whole word, but yes. Topic. Yeah. Look, Grim Reaper caused a lot of fear, sure, but fear does not help. And I, I was working a little while later in the first half of the 90s in public health education around HIV AIDS. And it took years of work to undo the negativity, uh, the fear of people who are HIV positive. Um, and then we had the whole thing, like parents loved it because this ad just came on TV on Sunday night and they're all sitting around having Sunday night dinner. And suddenly, where are the gays and IV drug users and AIDS? And, of course, six-year-old Sarah asked, Mom, what's AIDS? What's, what's gay? <laughs> what is this and, IV know, drug and, and, use course, about which I've been hearing so much? Yeah, and, of course, the parents weren't at all equipped to, to then do the next step, which is so... so how do we talk about this? The campaigns yeah. that did work later are ones which are often not remembered uh, well in this context, but they come on. If it's not on, it's not yeah. on uh, was one. There was a very uh, successful And there are a couple of one, others along those lines. There was a really successful one. I, I was working um, – I was also working in public health at around about the same time, actually. Um, mm. And I – It was a thing we did. I remember doing some research because uh, I was working for um, a, a community health research unit. On the um, uh, there was a safe sex uh, campaign that was running with Indigenous communities uh, in South Australia and the Northern Territory, which is um, the slogan was "Don't be shame, be game," which I love. That's my fucking favorite slogan of all time, and that was that apparently was super successful. At least that was that was our finding. And again, it's that the whole thing of like if you make it sort of a cool, well, not not a cool thing, but if like fun, we, a fun thing, yeah, a fun thing. If, if you know, it, it's like all of the the campaigns around consent. If it's like you're 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 making the the point that consent is sexy and it's it, it enhances what's about to happen, as opposed to Give this is a horrible obligation shirt, that you need to to go through in order to. You know, tick the bureaucratic box on the on your delivery of sex on the blockchain. Exactly, <laughs> the bonk chain, if you will. The um, yes. it, and it's the same sort of thing. I mean, you look at the successful campaigns for COVID that have happened overseas. They've all been mm. upbeat. They've all been fun. They had they 
they certainly haven't been playing either the do this or you'll die or they haven't the most successful ones certainly the ones that have gone viral on online haven't even been playing up the do this for your community you know what are you some sort of piss poor excuse for a citizen which is kind of what the the tink the tinkly arm yourself version is it's been saying like like just hello children you are worthless exactly it's it's a it's a sort of one particularly in a time when we have more than our fair share of morons playing up anti-vax sentiment having ads that kind of presuppose that the people watching it are not idiots and that it's like look you're gonna do this because it's a smart safe thing to do so Let's let's be playful with it. Let let's let's make it sound like enjoyable is a stretch, but yeah, it's it's a thing that you're going to do. So so let's have fun with it. Some people, including myself, have sort of played with that by as soon as we we have a shot of the vaccine, we're you know checking our five G reception mm. <laughs> and complaining that it has a good, which which I know is playing to. Uh, the conspiracy theories, but it's also sending up the conspiracy theories. So I kind of yeah. hope I'm doing more good than harm by that. Well, I know, like, I know there's been a little bit of a backlash to people posting their vaccination selfies as, as kind of, you mm. know, like, oh, you're, you're virtue signaling. And it's like, well, well it's any- better than cunt signaling. <laughs> exactly. It's also just anything that's, that normalizes. Getting a vaccine like this, you know, we we know, again, you know this because you've been in the public health game and it is a game. Mm. Um, We know that the the thing that makes people change their mind and change their behaviour is the opinion and the behaviour of the people around them. Like People tend not Mm -hmm. to make Mm -hmm. informed, rational decisions based on being informed and rational. They do it because somebody that they respect does it and they go like, oh, okay, that seems fair. So we're going to uh, resist the temptation to give everyone a 20 minute lecture on the importance of peer education <laughs> programs at this point. Speak Although I know we could. <laughs> I I know we could. But yeah, absolutely. It's it is the whole thing where someone expresses their ill-founded uh, fears of something and people say, oh, Graham, don't be such a doofus. Come on, we're all going down now to get the, you know, come along, get the shot. Uh, and and that's the way that works. And I think it's important, therefore, that, that our friends uh, in what we might call the right-wing media are uh, doing their best <laughs> to assist in everyone getting calm and and, and rational views. Now, Kevin Rudd put together a little uh, montage <laughs> of these the other day. Um, do you want to hear them or shall I just put them in in post so you can avoid them? Oh, lay, it, lay it on us. Lay Let's it on enjoy. me. Here we go. Even in the world, 0.051% of the population have died. But if in trouble, promote the alarmism and talk about this pandemic. We're being run by numbskulls. They don't even understand that their own careers are on the line. In the New South Wales government, backbenchers and ministers are angry with the leadership and the handful who are making the decisions. Nothing discussed in the party room, nothing in the cabinet. It's simply dictator Gladys. And they're ringing, telling me about it. Sydney's lockdown extended for another week after 27 new infections today. And frankly, I feel trapped in Groundhog Day 
Once again, dramatic lockdowns, scary talk, threats, stay home or else. And I'm here saying, yeah, but, but no one's actually died this year from this thing. Ooh, I wonder what they're going to do. I wonder what they're going to do. The data is obvious. This lockdown, firstly, never should have happened. And secondly, should have been over by now. But the theatre continues because this swallows up an entire day of news coverage. For a second time, Berejiklian has promised after this, no more lockdowns. But this time, she'd really better be right. Daniel Andrews, honestly, don't you even think about it. You have no moral authority left, even if you still think you walk on water. These know-all dictator politicians don't understand. As I said last night, they forfeited the right to lead and forfeited the right for us to believe them. You tell them, Alan. Well, look. You tell them how they're know-it-alls. Dr. Jones, <laughs> Dr. Bolt and Dr. Credlin, I think, are, are you know, they, they make some uh, very valid points. Uh, Dr. Murray was oh, in Dr. there Oh, Dr. Murray as well. As well. Sorry, so, I forgot my Dr. Dr. Murray. Dr. Murray as well, yes. So, oh, I, yes. I, think, I think that's adjunct Professor Murray, technically. I mean, the, oh, these, these, are all, the, these are all experts in epidemiology. He really is a second rung, though, isn't he? Oh, yes. Jesus. He's, he's a second something. The, um, and I think that there's nothing like um, seeing a third of New South Wales COVID cases in ICU to really prove how unimportant this lockdown is, how unnecessary this lockdown is, and how this is just crazy uh, uh, crazy panic-mongering by governments terrified of, of having wave after wave of avoidable death on their watch. You know, and I, I think Alan Jones makes a very good point when he talks about his secret friends in the New South Wales government who are apparently whispering sweet secrets in his ears about... Um, how much they don't like dictator Gladys, which really rolls off the tongue too, incidentally. I, I yeah. got to say, I, I yeah. can see that one really catching on. So, uh, I mean, it's just... But what, what's been fascinating, of course, not to jump ahead, is the way that... Um, oh, no, but please jump ahead. Jump ahead. The, the, the other elements of the right-wing media have been, um, shall we say, changing their tune pretty goddamn abruptly about uh, some of this stuff Isn't and the it? government's handling thereof. Well, yes, Janet Albrechtson is who you're referring mm. to there. Uh, and uh, she said uh, the other day, a year ago I dubbed the PM more middle management than leader. Hearing about his failure to deal with vaccines makers personally, given what it means for a closed-off country and lockdown New South Wales, he's sounding more like Scotty from the mailroom. After which she apologised, I am genuinely contrite about my earlier tweet. People working in mailrooms are offended. They deliver every day. Boom! Boom! It's not really up there with a the Bill Shorten zinger, but... No, that was... Although An I, Albrecht I, zinger. I did enjoy, actually, speaking of, of, of Bill, uh, his his comment on, um, on, a, on the ABC... Uh, where he describes the rollout as a shit show, but but I really enjoyed what the shit is. I enjoyed the way that he enunciated it. It was like, you know, to be honest, it is a shit show, and and it was just like that, that little sort of hard T in the middle that I was just like, that's that's oh, okay. that's enunciation. I like that. That's that's you should you should take to the stage, son. 
people are sick of the political class. So let me just say for the record as a politician, the vaccine rollout in Australia is a shit show, Patricia. It is just a mess. And Scotty from marketing has got to take some of the responsibility for it. And there it is. Mm. Kevin Rudd, I mean, this is weird. I mean, Kevin Rudd, when he tweeted those clips before, called them the boneheads in the Murdoch media and uh, it's a public health emergency, not another front in your stupid bloody culture Mm. war. Um, What do you make of this newfound love between Kevin Rudd and Malcolm Turnbull? It's it, it's sort of heartwarming. I mean, it's 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 an annoying thing. Malcolm Turnbull was such a terrible PM, and I really I still struggle to hate the guy. And I he's just so likable, and it, because he always comes across as as this you know very rational, very reasonable human being, except of course mm. for the three mm. years when he was in any position of power, and the uh, and sort of seeing him and. Kevin Rudd teaming up on uh, to haul scummo over the over the coals. I just want to see Gillard and Howard and, and Keating sort of jump in there. I'm, I'm I'm not. I don't think Abbott would uh, would would criticise scummo. I think Abbott's very much on the denying COVID is a thing side of the ledger. But I'd like to see mm-hmm. all of our living PMs hang shit on on Scott Morrison. It'd make a great ad, like a, mm. a version of It's Time. It's an It's Time ad, but, you know, without Bert Newton and all the, all the things. But just just all the former prime ministers and foreign, you know, health ministers or whatever. Well, I can't remember what it was, but there, there were those ads for a while which had both um, Malcolm Fraser and Gough Whitlam uh, Advertising something, and I think it might have been wasn't it Republic- a, like a pasta sauce or oh oh actually quite possibly oh, might have been a, might- <laughs> it was either republicanism or pasta sauce one of the two oh, possibly uh. both I mean you know the 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 the, the, the rich tangy flavour of freedom but um but yeah I I cannot remember what it was but I can remember looking at them both on the screen and you know I was quite young at the time but. Uh, Still going like, how are they there and not stabbing each other? And i'd I'd like to, I would like to see all of our <sighs> former PMs united in in stabbing Scott Morrison and possibly selling pasta sauce. I'm not opposed to that. I th- I think if, maybe if we can. Want to be a curry sauce? Sure. Oh. You know, no, no, no. You don't want laying. <laughs> it would it would have to be like a you know a, a range of of subcontinent. Spices and and curry sauces. Oh my god! If it was just like a like the Rosella savory rice, the sort of a comeback, except um, sort of also adding a get vaccinated and and vote this government out kind of message. You know, look, I think it would be efficient if nothing else. You were speaking there, of course, about the the tangy taste of freedom, uh, which the, the the next two items both contain that. Uh, at least we are not in the land of freedom, the United States of America. I've I've discovered someone by the name of Madison Cawthorn, uh, who mm. who is you'll be shocked to hear that he's a Republican member of Congress. Are you sure he sounds? He sounds like he's a Dickens character. <laughs> It is a bit like that. Uh, Here's what he had to say the other day. 
And, and now they're starting to talk about going door to door to be able to take vaccines to the people. It, think about the mechanisms they would have to build to be able to actually execute that massive of a thing. And then think about the, what those mechanisms could be used for. They could then go door to door take your guns. They again go door to door take your Bibles. Yeah. And so it's, I, I, I'm not sure why anyone would go door to door to take away people's Bibles. What I, I mean, my, my concern for, for old Madzo there is when he hears about the postal service, he's going to go nuts. Those people have got oh everybody's name and address. They're going from door to door, delivering people's mail and taking the mail from them. The stuff that they're sending anyway. Yeah, my God. So, yeah, he. My God. What, you know, first they came for my outgoing mail and I said nothing. <laughs> On a happier note, uh, today, the 15th of July, is Gummy Worm Day, Finally. apparently, according Finally. to the ever-reliable daysoftheyear.com, which I think is a United Nations website, Yeah, look, probably. What, you need to consult that? I mean, like, in our in our family, it's basically, you know, gum, Gummy Worm Day, and then there's a fairly low, large gap, and then it's Christmas. It's, you know, really, this is this is the day. Obviously, we 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 dress as gummy worms. Uh, we dress in gummy worms. We celebrate. Uh, you know, we 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 have the competitions. Which of us has the gummiest worm? Uh, which of us has the wormiest gummy? You know, it's it's a it's a it's a full day's activities. It's, it's a good 16, 17 hours worth of worth of gummy and worm. Do you go the sweet? The sour or the sweet and sour mixed in the bag. Look, it's it's just we we just take fistfuls of the stuff and just shove it into our mouths, and it's not until it's all we, we don't even chew. We just let it dissolve, and once once our mouths are empty, that's when gummy gummy worm day has reached its apiothus. Wow. Sis. Sis, that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I really stumbled wow. over that word, but the um, and 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 then then we we go into to a, a state of gummy worm contemplation when we uh, think about sort of the great gummy worms of uh, of history of the past of of the history, but also of the future. You know the 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 emerging gummy worms that that, that may that may yet come that may yet hatch from their enormous gelatinous eggs. Which is how I assume we get them. Remember that guy, Andrew, from last time we spoke in December, oh, in the last year. Professor Caruso let, letting letting loose with his, his song of tangy freedom. We played that in full uh, back in December six months ago, seven months ago, six months ago. I don't know, numbers. During in the past. In, and we, we have found out since that that uh, gentleman's name is Savas Caruso. Uh, because of course it is. He is also known as Sublet Hammer. I'm not quite sure mm. 
why? Uh, and he's from Salisbury Downs in the northern suburbs of Adelaide because, of course, yeah. He is. I was going to say, I, I feel that was implied by everything that that has passed, starting mm. starting with that music. He has been performing uh, his own songs very loudly um, in his front driveway mm. while wearing only his uh, underpants uh, for, for for six or seven months now, but. Uh, the other day on the uh, on the long weekend, uh, he was arrested. He was arrested, and uh, I, th- I think we we need to hear some of that now. Hey, hey, buddy, you had that's not your Cops problem. Now, please take a form. Please take a form, and please come in. Take now, please take a form. That's his brother handing out a form explaining that if the cops don't have a warrant, they're not allowed to come on without permission onto his property. Like, he's doing the sovereign citizen thing. Wow. The police haven't been invited. And and he had the forms ready. So, so they've they've been provoking this situation for a while. It would appear. I mean, you don't you don't just have those. Well, forms. every weekend, every weekend, yeah. I but for more than six months. Wow. Uh, and I and I will say that the police had had warned them that they're getting noise complaints. So they came to him and delivered him an emergency environment protection order under the whatever act. Wow which said he must not play live music for 72 hours and a breach of this order is a criminal offence. <laughs> and Was his that, argument like however, I was only playing for a couple of hours? It wasn't even – it was nowhere near 72? No, it's that the police just have cheat. no authority to do this for some reason, that it's just – it's an environment thing. It's not even a crime because they've got a petition up mm. and they have thousands of people – signing a petition to say that this was somehow an illegal arrest. And I'll I'll read a bit of here. Quote, the police have no grounds on which to enforce this order, therefore had no authority to come onto the man's property while playing his music and disconnect the power, followed by the shocking physical bombardment they call of an an arrest of the innocent musician practising his art. Now, I wish to, to say... I've linked to the video of this arrest on the the website. The bloke was not even thrown to the ground. They they held on to him firmly, put his hands behind his back and cuffed him and then led him peacefully away to the paddy paddy wagon's racist, isn't it? The divvy van, although that's Mm. Melbourne slang. Um (laughs) And and then the cops wouldn't let the brother talk to the guys in the back of the van, and the cops are saying, "No, what happens now is we close this door and we drive to the police station and process him, and you can talk to him after that." At which point the brother said, "You are denying me my rights to freedom of speech." Yeah, um, uh, there's there there's a lot to unpack there. Um, what one important thing. To unpack, I, I think is well. Like one, one question I've got is if, given that his name is Sublet, um, does he own that house? Because well, Sublet, because I can't help thinking S U double B. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm just, I'm just thinking. Like, if I was the landlord, 
like by the time I got the like the fifth noise complaint, I'd be pretty keen to break that lease. Having a word, yeah. Having a yeah. word, yeah. 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 This is a situation that has clearly been um, been bubbling for long enough that this chap's brother has like printed off a bunch of uh, a bunch of flyers to hand to any police who yeah, might come on Yeah, he's calling there. he's calling them yeah 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 he's calling them non-consent forms and a notice of liability. This is full on sovereign citizen stuff. I mean like just is just it? in case you hadn't gotten the vibe of that from the lyrics of the <laughs> of that powerful powerful song of spicy freedom uh, about It's actually not a bad song. Uh, it is though. It is a bad song. You know, it, it, I'm not gonna. You know, it's not gonna win an Aria Award anytime soon, or or whatever. But it is. It is a uh, you know a workmanlike song, competently performed. Exactly, and you know, I I think there is something there is something arguably charming about a dude who plays in his driveway every Sunday like that. That's actually in his underpants. In his underpants. That that's the bit where I'm kind of like. I mean, You're he's not unfit, to... so it's not yeah. It's not like they could have slapped him with an environmental order <laughs> for, for being out there. You know, he's... Exactly. He, he's, he's doing his weird thing, and I, I'm, I'm all for, for people being able to do their weird thing. And, I, you know, I, 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 like yeah. a, I like a little a community character, but it's this... Um, it's, it's the fact that clearly this has escalated and they have decided that the way to deal with this rather than... Um, bringing some sanity into the mix is to escalate matters that you sort of go like, well, you're kind of getting what you're asking for here, weren't you? I mean, I mean, this is, you know, we've been discussing it for five minutes now, which wouldn't have happened otherwise. So everybody wins. Now, you know, I, I know, you know, there's the all cops are bastards sort of thing, but at the same oh, time, I agree with they, that, just to be, this just to was, be clear. This, this is not, this is not as described a shocking physical bombardment. They just, no, it was a cuffed the guy and lead him away. There was no, no one got hurt. It no, was, it was, they uh, were they were downright polite. They put him in the cells for three days, but yeah, they. As far as arrest arresting un, underwear clad musicians go, I've got to say it's it's, yeah, it was, it's on the yeah. it's definitely on the benign edge of the. Uh, yeah, we'll the have spectrum. to follow that up. Um, while we're in Adelaide, another <sighs> Caleb Bond, um, some fantastic journalism from Caleb Bond. Uh, last week, um, so apparently this woman who's you've got you've got her name in front of you, I can see there, mm-hmm. but she was walking her dog up at uh, Anster Hill Park, and her dog has a, uh, a habit of eating kangaroo poo, as dogs do for reasons known only to dogs. Who am I to judge, etc., yeah. etc. Et let let he who has not eaten kangaroo poo cast the first poo. Ah, as they say uh, in the classics. Yeah. Turns out this this dog started scoffing into something which turned out not to be kangaroo but human poo, allegedly. After which, within hours, the dog became extremely ill. So uh, the worried woman took a, took the dog to the vet, and the dog tested positive to cannabis and methamphetamine. So essentially, the dog was on meth for like the evening and had you know dogs presumably. Don't not quite know what's going on. Well, going when by that the, happens, going by the photo, it looks like the the dog's sort of like a kelpie mix, and they they're just on meth uh, all the time. I mean, they 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 are they naturally produce the stuff. 
So I've got a lot of questions. One is, what vet has got tests for meth? Like, 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 do do they have like a drug spectrum test for dogs? We do because the problem is people who might have such things around their home is that pets, I'm told, have a habit of occasionally just oh, what's this? Slip, 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 <laughs> scoff. Look, that's that's poor drug management right there. I tell you. Well, it is. Yeah, it's just bad housekeeping. Yes. Um, but. There are also people of a more violent persuasion who try to poison, you know, their partner's pets and things like that, which I know has brought that down a bit. Ah, uh, I'd also like to know that. Ha- I hadn't uh, thought of that. That's that's a so so they do actually test test for for it's a, recreational it's a thing that drugs yeah. at vets. There you go. Well, yeah, why is why is this dog sick? I mean, I, I'm not sure. Just like if you walk in. You know, hi there. I'd like to get my cat desexed. Sure, is it on meth? <laughs> well, I was more thinking like, hey, uh, has it my, has it had a party weekend? <laughs> my dog's sick. What's it done? Eating some shit? We'll test for meth. It's just it's uh, yeah. Well, it, okay. The story does say the dog was really jittery and rah, rah, rah. right. Okay, it, it was it was showing showing signs that something was distinctly wrong with it. What just sort of chewing its face and talking about how much it. Loves the Happy Mondays. Actually, I'm 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 aging myself here, aren't I? That, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, so that's not really meth. Anyway, um, no. that'd be more more you listening to Gabba. Anyway, anyway, right. Anyway, so so what's so, what's the takeaway here that uh, that our pr- Adelaide's proud meth users cal- are, are, are reduced to shitting in the woods, shitting in the park. Oh my! So. It, like does does <laughs> doesn't Adelaide Matthews has shit in the woods? Is that the uh, is that the the, the the lesson here? We we need Caleb on to explain. Yes. It. Oh no, we don't. No. Uh, look, good on him. He's he's found his grift. He has found it, and grift. he's and he's reporting on dogs eating poo in the park. Yeah. Look, it's and that's really that's the beat you want to be <laughs> on. Speaking of. <laughs> Caleb Bond dogging. Meeting between journalists. I said, what are you on? Oh, I'm, I'm doing the court. Yourself? Oh, I'm on the uh, dogs what eating shit in the park uh, beat. That's, uh, you know, man, I tell you, it's not busy often, but when it is, whew. Gentle listener, uh, we need to take a break from uh, this obviously important discussion of methed up poo eating dogs uh, to uh, go back and correct something, or at least clarify something that was discussed earlier in this episode. Uh, Gough Whitlam and Malcolm Fraser, Labour and Liberal Party Prime Ministers respectively, did indeed do an advertisement together. It was in 1999 and it was indeed for the referendum on whether Australia should become a republic. One of the strengths of the republican model is that all Australians have a say in nominating the president. And then both sides of parliament need to agree. That will give us a president who's bipartisan and above politics. Malcolm, it's time. It is. Vote yes. For Australia. Authorised by G. Craven Perth for the Yes Committee. I love how Malcolm Fraser couldn't quite say the words 
It's Time, which was, of course, uh, Whitlam's uh, election campaign slogan. However, we were also correct in saying that there was a pastor source advert two years later in the year 2001, Gough Whitlam was uh, spruiking Lego's pasta sauce. <coughs> Cari amici australiani, cucinare non dovrebbe essere faticoso in cucina. Non con queste salse revolucionare della Legos. Questa è per il polo alla cacciatora. Rosola il polo, aggiungi la salsa e coprilo. 12 minuti dopo, ci siamo. Un piatto degno di una regina. Oh, I'm president. Yeah, not the world's uh, best Italian speaker uh, was Gough Whitlam, but there you have it. That, as I say, was from 2001. Uh, before we go back to the uh, wonderful Andrew Peace treat, let me quickly do the housekeeping. Uh, as you know, this podcast is made possible by you, the generous listener. Thank you um, to Anthony Barnes. Uh, this episode, who says that the last episode uh, helped him get through the, uh, the Saturday evening after he'd had his uh, COVID-19 vaccine jab. So thank you, Anthony, for that. And uh, good luck with the vaccine. Uh, and it's also uh, thank you to all the people for the final time, all the people who contributed to both the Autumn Series 2021 and the late Autumn Series 2021 possible campaigns, this is the last episode for that burst. You're all listed on the website. Some of you still need to get in your uh, trigger words and conversation topics for future episodes, but they last a year, so that's good. Thank you to all you lovely, lovely people. Yes, this is the end of Autumn now as <laughs> well. Uh, halfway through winter, but that means it's time for the late winter series 2021. There is a possible campaign open for that. There is a week to run. At the time I'm recording this, we're just over the halfway mark to the, the first target, so that's fabulous. But please, if you enjoy the podcast, or even if you don't, at least tell people about it. More audience is better, but ideally... Go to the 9pmedic.com slash late autumn 2021 or just go to the 9pmedic.com. It's there on the homepage. Click through, chuck in a couple of bucks. Uh, and if we reach the target, then we get some more uh, special guest episodes through to the end of winter. Please consider. Thank you. <laughs> Speaking of trigger words, as I just was in the pre-recorded bit, mm -hmm. post-recorded bit, uh, I have the glass jar of transparency here, as you can this see on the true. video stream. I am rummaging in it for a folded up piece of paper on which will be a trigger word that someone has bought and we will talk about what is on this piece of paper. If I can it does, it, undo it. Here we go. Ah, this is from uh, Adam Baxter, a long time friend of the friend of the pod. Dogecoin or Dogecoin? Ah, that is a good one of the cryptocurrencies. Yes. Thanks a bunch. Uh, this Adam. being the one. Yeah, thanks, mate. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we've—I mean, we—I we, know that uh, Dogecoin was boosted by uh, this podcast patron cunt, Elon Musk. Mm. Um, <laughs> 
in in but he doesn't he doesn't like it now because of course uh, all of the environmental aspects. I'm just wondering why, because Dogecoin is named after the the Shiba the Inu dog is. thing meme that was going around. I would much rather a cryptocurrency based on the Doge of Venice, the ruler of Venice back in the Middle Ages. Because <laughs> Venice was, of course, one of the great Western trading nations of the time. I mean, brackets if you ignore the entire existence of China for a thousand years. But... <laughs> Or, or the moguls, or the you know, all of the other empires in the world which were vastly bigger. But if you're a white person from Western Europe, mm-hmm. then yes, the Venetian trading empire. Well, they had Marco Polo, I suppose, and a few others. Mm. Um, Kerry Polo, Steve Polo, Mr. Packers, Steve Polo, Brian Polo. Yeah. Did you know that? The Venetian traders actually had, speaking of mathematical secret weapons for making lots of money, mm-hmm. they invented double-entry bookkeeping. What? I did not know that. So that's that's a thing. So you could keep track of how much who owed whom, even though, well, I gave you X hundred silver pieces, mm-hmm. but your mate Brian owes you a thousand bushels of wheat so we can cancel out that for that if we'll trade you for the debt on that and they started the whole thing of being able to trade abstract credits and debits and keeping track of them so the 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 connection the connection betwixt doges and uh largely imaginary money is uh is a long and venerable one it is it, it is, and and I think there you go. Uh, it does you demonstrate learn on this and Marco, and that's why they called them Doge because when Marco Polo had gone all the way through China and possibly to Japan, they turned him into a dog. Mm-hmm. And he came back. Right there, you go. I, I, and I Doge that. does I, mean top. I think dog. that came up when I. <laughs> When I when I played Civilization Revolution on the Xbox, I'm pretty sure there's a bit where Marco Polo just turns into a dog. Mm. I, I may have dreamt that. It did involve my year six teacher, so yeah. Now I think about it, it was definitely uh, a dream. Yeah, let's move on, move on, yeah. move on. Uh, let's do a second one just because we can. There we go. There better be some some reference to pre Renaissance trading nations. Well, in a way it does, Ruben Sharda, uh, who's again a long-term supporter of the pod, is intrigued by our sometimes stories of Adelaide things. <laughs> so he's actually thrown in, Aren't we, all, we need to talk about Hindley Street pancakes. Oh, the, 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 the pancake oh. house just off Hindley Street? Well, Or is, yeah, is a Hindley Street pancake that. some euphemism that I'm, not, I'm unaware of? It's like, because <laughs> it does sound like it, I mean, it, could, it could be something... Even more disgusting than a pancake house pancake. Well, no, it says it says Hindley Street pancake. So mm. I'm assuming because I can't think of a thing called Hindley Street pancake. It must be the pancake kitchen, which is just off Hindley Street in a little alleyway. Which was the probably the first in Adelaide of those open twenty four hours mm. places to eat. So if you gone up uh, as a student or to see a band or something like that, that's where you ended up at. Three o'clock in the morning for totally innocuous food that 
you know, because at three in the, well pancakes. Well, three in the morning. That, that's that's when you think to yourself, I could totally go three pancakes right now. Um, yeah, as opposed With to any other time. Ice cream. Yes, any other time of day, you go. Well, obviously, I'm going to have half a pancake and go. I can't possibly finish the rest of this. This is yeah, you know, an, an impossible slog. My jaw aches. I want to go to bed. But of course, blokes would also young blokes being young blokes, mm. they'd go for the five stack. Oh, oh I feel like five. Ah, that's pancakes. Look, that that's that's just that's just crazy. That's a fool's errand. No, nobody's ever eaten five pancakes mm. in one go. That's just that's that's not physically possible. The human stomach does not expand to that to that vast, unimaginable capacity. I I, I deny that it's ever happened. I I have to break the news to you, where you say that eating five pancakes is a physical impossibility. Yes, I will not hear I will not hear a word against my completely unsupported claim. The current world record for eating pancakes is four. Is yes, one hundred and thirteen pancakes in eight minutes. One hundred and thirteen pancakes in eight minutes. And Was that is according to wire? IHOP. I'm, I'm clicking through. That is by IHOP, which does stand for the International House of Pancakes. Mm. Uh, no, look, that's that's taken me down a rabbit hole yeah. of advertising uh, for un- cheap pancakes. Un- unless that, yeah. The, uh, they as if they were crepes. Oh, crepes, that's a whole different kettle of fish. If it was a kettle of fish, I'd say you could probably eat about four. But yeah, the well, it depends on the fish. What if they were white bait? Oh, yeah, good point. I think I could go some white bait right now. Oh, crispy, crispy yeah. little, crispy little yeah. customers. Ah, uh, <laughs> and an ale. Oh man, what are we doing talking about this? We we could be we could be eating white bait, drinking beer, and not discussing impossible feats of pancakery. Well, I couldn't because I'm in lockdown. Oh, there is also that. I, I could be. I, there's nothing. I, open. I could. I could. I'm footloose and fancy free. I, I I could be wandering out, scoffing white bait in the street with impunity, and yet here I am. Here I am still talking about pancakes like an idiot. Do you want to stay for the last segment? Yes. Though? All right. Fine. It's a question that has long plagued mankind. Are we really alone in the universe? From flying saucer sightings to Pentagon secrets, our search for answers is about to get a whole lot clearer. US intelligence agencies are gearing up to release an unclassified report covering everything they know about UFOs. Andrew, what's your policy on you? Actually, no, right before I ask you about your policy Mm. on UFOs, have you seen a UFO? Yes. I, I yeah? well, I've seen things in the sky that I couldn't identify. <laughs> You're a traditionalist, yes. I see. In this, <laughs> you are one of these people who believes words have meaning. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, thank you to Ruben Sharder too before the. Oh yes, on, on your rubes. Thanks, Ruben. Thanks for that. Yeah. Um, I do remember I was driving driving in the country um, during the night, and there was a light. Uh, apparently following me as I was driving along and I and I was mm. absolutely baffled about it. Um, 
especially when I came to a T-junction and the thing stopped. And then I thought, hmm, and I turned off the lights and discovered that what I was actually seeing was a light from the dashboard that was reflecting off my watch, which was on the passenger seat, and reflecting into the uh, windshield. And I thought, I'm an idiot. That's just perfectly normal thing that happens because light travels in a straight line and bounces off reflective surfaces. Um, it does. So, yeah, I... That that's as close to a UFO as I've seen. By which I mean, it wasn't flying, and it also wasn't unidentified. But it was. It actually technically wasn't even an object. So I guess what I'm saying is, is I saw a thing that fills none of those criteria. Look, I'll just summarise by saying, essentially, ditto. But um, <laughs> have you ever spoken with a UFO true believer? I had dinner with one a couple of nights ago, and uh, oh, do tell. It was. Um, awkward it was awkward he was talking about these these very things these these declassified um navy videos which have come out and and i will say they've looked at i think it's three or four hundred incidents hmm. and the u.s intelligence folks have figured out what they all are probably except for maybe 14 of them yeah it's it's and maybe they're just like a high-speed drone that we have yet to have encountered. Or well, in most of the cases, uh, it it looks a lot more likely. Certainly, from from the stuff that I've seen and the analysis that I've seen, a, a lot of the stuff that is, you know, looks like exciting new technology zipping around, is actually like weird artifacts from the the cameras that are uh, that are being used to track them, like, and particularly just. When you've got a uh, a, a multi lens camera swapping between its its lenses because it's trying to focus in on 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 a on an object whilst you're in a very fast moving plane, uh, and the camera is fixed by I think it can only move in two dimensions underneath the the, the plane anyway. It's sort of on a on a gimbal, and it's kind of like as soon as people who knew the mechanics of the cameras looked at it, they went, oh, yeah, yeah, that's that's nothing. <laughs> that's 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 how the camera processes information. That's that's an in-camera artifact. Uh, Which um so yeah, so they're def what I'm what I'm saying is that they're part of it too. All those people, they're all part of the conspiracy and the aliens are living and working among us. At least that's what my the person I had dinner with was telling me. When I, uh, yeah, well, when I was young, and this is by which, by which I mean to say, a long time ago, <laughs> when, when um, hitchhiking was still a thing that people did as a matter of routine <laughs> if they were young and didn't have money for transport, mm. so you just hitchhike across the city. Back when it was what you did when you wanted uh, to get somewhere, as opposed to if you wanted to to become the, end up in a shallow the subject yeah. of a true crime podcast, yeah. I was hitchhiking back from Flinders University in Adelaide, uh, back, which is way down south, yes. or was way down south there. It's now probably an inner south suburb. Yes. Well, my my uh, alma mater as well. Oh, you went there? I was. I, I went to the other one. Um, and uh, although there are several the, now, the, there, the, was only, there was only the two then. The word that you're looking for is better. I, I would I would never judge anyone ever, as you as as you know. Uh, but I was I was uh, f 
sort of going from there back into the central part of the city and I hitchhike and a car pulled over. And who should pick me up to drive me into the city was none other than big UFO believer and researcher Colin Norris, who I'm fairly sure is no longer with us. I've not heard um, that name in a long time. So e- either <laughs> either he's not with us or he's living in living on Tatooine and um, just periodically appearing. For those who don't know, he was originally from the UK, but in the 70s and 80s, certainly, he was the go-to ufologist, ufologist mm. that uh, you would you would put on the on the telly. A, a living embodiment of that. That meme of uh, it's aliens, pretty much was was, was yeah. him. And, and look, I recognised him, and, and and he, you know, he certainly didn't. Um, he, he appeared like he actually seemed to me to be quite a, a normal human mm. being and rational. And we chatted about various things, and I said, "Well, aren't you Colin Norris and all of those things?" And he talked about things, and he said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, there's there are things." Out there that we don't understand, and a lot of, and he was fine to say yes. A lot of it are just people seeing weather balloons or mm. funny clouds or the planet Venus or something like that. But he said there are still things that you know are yet to be explained. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, <yeah. laughs> well, before then, this is going to go indeed, back indeed. quite some way. Um, what intrigues me, though, are the people who are. You know, a little more unhinged. They're not willing to listen to any rational explanation. Now, I know there's a group uh, here in the Blue Mountains. There is a Blue Mountains UFO Research Society, and um, there there are supposedly more UFO things up in the Blue Mountains west of Sydney than elsewhere. So I, I, I don't think that's got anything to do with the fact that we have more powerful electrical storms and the ground's full of ironstone and all sorts of weird shit happens. Well, I mean, you know, if you uh, were flying an interstellar spacecraft, the, what what you would look for is rugged terrain covered in trees. I mean that that's obviously to land yeah, it, yeah that's that's yeah. just that, that's just common sense. There is a belief that uh, down in the Jamison Valley there is uh, a joint American Australian UFO base. They, they published plans of it. Mm. Yeah, tunnels work because uh, again the the, the, is it the ideal thing for. No, 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 next valley over. I do like that. Uh, uh, well, the Hydro Majestic is, of course, where uh, Conan Doyle stayed. Uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle stayed in there for a period. But it is genuinely again, majestic. I think it is. It is a lovely place. Um, the thing that always gets me about secret UFO bases is the thing you're definitely going to do if you're building like an airfield or a space launch facility mm-hmm. is, again, put it underground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And cover well, it with trees. The, the beauty of underground is that's, that's the bit closest to the sky. You see, the, the, the more you dig down, what you actually get closer. Well, you get closer to the other bit of the sky. So that's, ah. that's the thing. You're getting to the, to the sky on the other side. So, so it's, a perfect, it's a perfect thing to do. The, um, look, I, you know, I, like everybody who grew up watching Star Wars and that scene, you know, I still remember the first time I saw the scene, you know, where Luke walks into the cantina and there's, you know, dozens of different aliens just sitting around having a drink, listening to live music, which it turned out was going to be much the way that I was going to live my life from there on. Um, you know, I would 
love it. I would love nothing more than if we were being visited by the space aliens. But we're just not. I mean, it, it, I mean, this is the thing that frustrates me. It's we're, we're just we're just not. Well, you say that, but I want to play you a clip. And this is about two minutes, but it's uh, Benjamin Wittes. Now he's an American legal journalist, and he also works on national security law at uh, the Brookings Institution, mm-hmm. a think tank in, in the U.S. Now here he is on the Rational Security podcast last week. There's an issue about this report that I want to raise. Uh, And I want to do it in a delicate fashion. In a prior episode of Rational Security, I proposed a policy toward unidentified alien or foreign adversary aircraft, which was a three-word policy, shoot them down. I have gotten some pushback on this um, from, shall we say, people in the know who have said that it is not constructive for me to for me to be advocating that I want to double down on it now the re- that the report is out I think our policy should be um tr- uh, if we can't identify it and it does not respond to reasonable you know requests to stay out of our airspace shoot it the fuck down I I think the the shoot them down uh, mantra or chant should replace like build the wall, uh, and it should be the new oh, no. the new oh, thing. Ambitions here, wow! This is really you're really setting the bar very high. This is going to be your political movement, you and Marianne Williams. The heptapods won't be able to teach us how to think our way back and forward through time if we shoot them down, dude. The heptapods in the movie identified themselves. <laughs> It That's was true. clear that they came in peace. <laughs> I'm if if oh, that was not clear. If if all heptapods up there, you know, want to come down and hang with us and barbecue stuff and teach us, you know, forward and backward thinking, I'm I'm totally down for that. I'm talking about the unidentified shit with the movement in different directions okay. that you can't tell if it's a Russian hypersonic plane or a heptapod. I'm telling you, heptapods identify yourselves, and we got no problem. Andrew, how does this align with your own uh, policy on heptapods or UFOs more generally? Look, I, I, I think there's going to be a lot of people firing wildly at, uh, like, passenger jets and... Um, and that's never floating, happened, has it? floating weather weather balloons and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I, I I think firing. Man, they want to shoot at hurricanes. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna blast the crap out of Venus coming in low on the horizon <laughs> where things you can't see it. It's just it's just silly. I mean, aside from anything else, like nothing nothing's gonna come this far into the sun's gravity well for funsies. Like, you know, if, if somebody was going to send something in that was going to use the amount of fuel that would be required to get back out, they're not going to do it secretly. They're going to do it in a, like, it, it's going to be, in the same way that if we, you know, when we send stuff to other planets, we're not trying to be secret. And also, if we wanted to be, I don't know how we could be because, like, we, we do it so gloriously clumsily. I just... Yeah, I, it's just it. It all seems like wishful sci-fi thinking to me. And but yeah, 
as as a rule, don't just fire wildly at things you don't immediately identify. Just like in your day to day life, I, th- I think there's that's a so good many way to good live. words in there. Clumsy, badly thought through. <laughs> Billionaire Richard Branson has fulfilled a lifelong dream: flying to space in his own rocket ship and returning safely to Earth. That's the important bit. Let's go live now to Seven News US correspondent David Woodward in New Mexico. David, a new era in space tourism has begun. Yes, it certainly has. In fact, he's called it a new dawn for space travel. Sir Richard Branson today officially becoming an astronaut and in the process winning that battle of the billionaires. Now, now battle oh. of the billionaires is a, is a whole thing. That's, but that's a show I Becoming was an astronaut. Oh, battle of the, battle yeah, of the billionaires. Strip to the waist <laughs> with a trident with a guitar and at a the net. end of a driveway. <laughs> One, two plutocrats enter, <laughs> one plutocrat leaves. And goes to Pluto. <laughs> no, oh, nice. Look, I... Uh, needs, needs more work, needs more work. I just want to say, here we, here we are. Here we are. Yeah, I mean, what, what better time than when the Earth is gripped in, you know, a pandemic and uh, uh, an environmental crisis that is impacting on every country in the world vastly earlier than predicted to go like, you know what I'm going to do with my vast fucking wealth? I'm going to go into space. I reckon, I reckon now's the time. Um, that being said. Uh, Why do you hate fun? Yeah, I, Why do you hate fun, I Andrew? I do hate fun. Fun. <laughs> yeah, fun. Uh, look, I, I, I know other people have made this observation. I am all for Elon Musk and Richard Branson and um, oh, what's his name there? The Amazon. Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos, thank you. I am all for them going into space, and I reckon all we can, you know, the more that we can move away before they come back is uh, I'm in favour of. Blair Erskine the other day uh, put together a, a message, in fact, from Amazon, allegedly. Here at Amazon, we would like to congratulate Sir Richard Branson on his historic journey to space and remind everyone that our own space daddy, Jeffrey Bezos, will be taking a historic journey of his own very soon. Mr. Bezos would like to point out that this is not a space race. So stop saying that Sir Richard Branson won the space race because there wasn't a race. Because if there was a race, Jeff would have won because he is slick and hairless and not of this world. But it's not a race. I remember when Mr. Bezos first told us he was going to space and we were like, space, space. And he was like, well, not not actually space, just like, you know, almost to space. And we were like, so like the sky. And then he was like, yeah, like the sky, but like the the top of the sky. Like I can touch it, I'm a big boy. And we were like, we know you're a big boy. Jeffrey, you're doing doing so good. So congratulations, Mr. Bezos, on your trip to the sky, to, to the top of the sky. We've always told you, you can do anything you want because you make us, Tell you that because too much, too much money. <laughs> that was glorious. <laughs> it's worth looking at the video because she has this kind of "I am a cult member" <laughs> look about her. <laughs> oh, that is good. That is good. Sleek and hairless, <laughs> and not of this world. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I mean, Bezos does have that that sort of, uh, you know, otherworldly. I mean, they, he looks like he probably exudes his own, like, you know, <laughs> gummy musk. juices. Yes, I, I, 
<laughs> he sleeps in a gelatinous pod. <laughs> I don't know. If you were to pick between the three of them, Elon Musk, mm. Jeff Bezos, uh, um, Branson, Richard Branson, who do you reckon is most likely to sleep in a gelatinous pod? Oh, it's hard to... It, it, look, it's going to be out of Bezos and Musk, I reckon. Like, I, I, mean, I assume Branson is old school, just sleeps on a pile of money. I don't, how about Clive Palmer? Clive Palmer probably sleeps in a pod. Ooh. There's probably some leftover... It's probably not gelatinous when he... dinosaur part. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be gelatinous when he got in, but definitely once he got out. Well, Bob Catter. <laughs> Bob... Uh, Bob, Bob, I can see more out of... Less gelatinous, more seed-like. Yeah, yeah. He'd he'd live in a he'd sleep in a husk. Oh, <laughs> you'd you, you, you need to. While while uh, he was not of this world, Branson did send a message from Neely Space, and I want to say actually before I play it, he Branson will have an asterisk next to his name on the listing of astronauts because there's two definitions. The American FAA says space starts at 50 miles, which is about 80 kilometres, and that's what Branson exceeded. So under FAA rules, he gets his American astronaut wings. But under the international rules, International Astronomical Union or whoever, the, the other space committee thing, 100 kilometres. Ah. Not 80. They say, no, 100 kilobits because metric, you see. Oh, there you go. So Bezos, Bezos will be going through that rule, the 100 kilometres, but Branson has not. But he was first. Battle of the billionaires. We've got to get this happening. Just let, let, them, yeah. let them sort it out with a broken beer bottle and a tyre iron in the, in the... And the whole thing happens, as you say, in orbit around Pluto. Oh, yeah. The... the I, uh, Maybe Pluto's the prize. Whoever wins becomes king of Pluto. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the runner-up becomes king of Sharon, I suppose. Who's Sharon? Oh, that's the. Oh, wait. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry. It is. It is a. It is an, an ill, an ill-named moon. It has to be said. Yes, uh, there's going to be a lot more of them in the future because oh, yeah. there's going to be so many fucking Jupiter, fucking Jupiter. Oh. Look at Jupiter and get they, over yourself with your ninety-two moons, like an idiot. It's, it's, yeah. Listen instead to the voice of Richard Branson, Sir Richard Branson. They were very keen to say because mm. the Americans are, the Americans have more of a fetish about this than the Brits, right? You know, royalty and the whole thing. The Brits go, yeah, yeah, that's just part of his. Anyway, this is this is what Branson said from space. To all you kids down there, I was once a child with a dream, looking up to the stars. Now I'm an adult in a spaceship with lots of other wonderful adults looking down to our beautiful, beautiful Earth. To the next generation of dreamers, if we can do this, just imagine what you can do. Hey! Oh, Christ on a bike. I would love to go to space, obviously, but not with those people. No, 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 no. You just 
It just feels like Richard Branson would be like elbowing you in the ribs the whole time. Like, yeah, we're, we're in yeah. space. How good's this? How good's hey, this? Kids, Look at this? We're Did in you space. see that? Yeah, oh, you ever dream of this? Oh, I dreamed of this. Oh, you know whose ship this is? This is my ship. Uh, he's seventy years old now. How long is he going to keep going? Well, Speaking of gelatinous pods, well, but, it, but he's only seventy in Earth years, so maybe that's the idea. If he gets, to, if I mean, he gets to becomes king of Pluto, then you know, I mean, he's not even one. Wow. See, yeah. I mean, what's the orbit of Pluto? It's about three hundred and fifty years, something like that. Something. Yeah. Like that. So there it's, we go. Yeah, a handful of hundreds. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> you, you, and I are nearly, <laughs> nearly at the point where we've seen a whole lap. <laughs> I remember back when Pluto was, yeah, when it was cool. So Richard Branson's, when it was a planet. Yeah. Ah. Richard Branson, Richard, Richard Branson, I can't even say his name. Richard Brandon, Brandon. <laughs> yeah, from 90210, yes, I understand. Yeah, uh, started his whole business by starting Virgin Records mm. and the first track recorded on Virgin Records, was Mike Oldfield's Tubular yep. Bell. This is all Oldfield's fault, essentially. Oh. I blame him. And by extension, oh. The Exorcist. Because that was really what brought yeah. it to people's yeah. attention. You try and find it on YouTube. See, it's ultimately... Credited to Mike Oldfield rather than as the theme yeah. for The Exorcist. This is the Catholic Church's fault, basically. Richard that's Branson what, is possessed. That's what it comes down to. It is the fault of, of Satan and or the Catholic Church that Richard Branson is dicking around in space. Wheels within wheels. Oh, my God. That guy I had dinner with is right. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Elon Musk is the witch finder. <gasps> yeah. So which one's Regan? Anyway. <sighs> we should probably stop yeah. now. This is all getting rather <laughs> frightening. Well, I think we've put the world to rights uh, pretty much, though. I mean, that's, you know, yeah, I, 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 I think I think we've covered everything. What, pancakes, musk. Gelatinous pods. Gelatinous pods. Musk. The, the, the uh, gummy arts. I mean. Um, dogs on meth. Yeah. Uh, Poo-eating dogs on meth, no less. The best kind, you might say, incorrectly. I, oh, what is the best kind? The best kind of dog. Basset hound. Well, the best kind of poo-eating dog. The best kind of poo-eating dog. That's, I, that's, I'm, that's all, still all dogs, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's, that, that's all dogs. If, if there's one thing that I learned from that film, uh, all poo-eating dogs go to heaven, that's, that it is very much uh, across the board. What about the Disney remake, 101 <laughs> poo-eating dogs <laughs> go to heaven? We should it's been a long stop day. Bye-bye, <laughs> <laughs> Andrew. Thank you for your time. This has been fabulous. <laughs> Always a pleasure. Do it again in another six months when our brains have recovered from all of this new knowledge. Indeed. The, the truth is out then. Uh, and that's the edict for now. You'll be glad to hear. Uh, a quick apology to Florentine merchants. It was, of course, in Florence that the double-entry bookkeeping system kicked off, not Venice. A 
according to Wikipedia, uh, and they probably stole it from India anyway. Please tell your friends about this podcast, at least the good bits. Uh, it's the 9pm Edict wherever you find podcasts and please do support the 9pm late winter series 2021 you'll find it at the 9pmedic.com until next time I'm still Garyan wash your hands the 9pm edict is a skank media production sorry